TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is Colossal Supremo. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award-winning play-by-play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, the window may be closed, Rick, but it's never closed on Golasso Supremo. Go! Das Fenster ist geöffnet immer! Whatever you said, I totally agree with you. I said in German, the window is always open. Yes, and the schnitzel is always cooling by the window. (laughs) Sill, Rick Tittle, Dan Dibley, back with more Golasso Supremo. We will take a look back at match day four in the Premier League and, of course, the transfer window is now closed for the Mm -hmm. summer. Some moving, some goings-on that took place. A big injury to a Man City defender and, of course, all the Tottenham and Chelsea that any young lad could possibly like. Of course. What stands out, Rick, about Match Day 4 as we take a brief look back at the week that was some pretty fascinating results in the Prem? For me, it was, as a Tottenham fan, to... You think about in the earliest stages of the season, four weeks in, you were going to go to to Man City and to Arsenal. And you think, boy, if we could just get ties there, we'll be fine. Which they did. But you feel sour still. Really sour. Because you're up to, if you're down to nothing and you tie 2-2, you feel like a win. If you're up to nothing and then you give up to, it feels like a loss. But it's that Newcastle loss at home, one to nothing, that stings. Because had they won that, I'd be feeling... Not that bad about throwing away the two-goal lead. Not as bad as I feel because I kind of felt like they would get back on track. And now I feel like my my jinx has really hit them about winning the Premier League, which already four weeks in makes me look pretty dumb. Before we scapegoat you, which it's easy to do, and I'm not saying that you don't deserve a lion's oh, share of the blame. it's real. What's up with Mauricio Pochettino and the sour expression and the team seemingly... Not really responding for him. He makes the changes that everyone thought that he should have made a long time ago, which is bringing Jan in, Jan Vertonghen in defense, and also Christian Eriksen actually got to start a game. It doesn't seem like he has a solid grasp of the dressing room right now, Rick. He said, and he's a very honest guy, I don't know if I would have said this, but he said, I've never had such an unsettled group to start a season. Vertonghen claims that he loves it there and he was held out not because of fitness, it was tactical. And then, of course, the tying goal from Obama Yang came when Vertonghen switched off. And all you got to do, one second, switch off. So it was it was actually his fault, unfortunately. But um, I, I hate the fact that this... It used to be the transfer window in Europe was the same as in England. And you'd go into the season and you go, is Berbatov staying or going? Is Bale's, always Berbatov. Always that. Modric. I was thinking about Michael Carrick. But... England's like, screw this. We're going to do it before the window. Now, what they should have done if they really wanted to make it their own, nobody in and nobody out by the time our season starts. But they did it half-ass. Nobody in by the time the season starts. 
but we can sell. Right. So you haven't solved anything. You've created this Ethan Strauss, Kevin Durant, tete-a-tete, should I stay or should I go, Joe Strummer. It's just, I hate it. Either be like Europe, and Pocatino said we should still be like Europe. Either go all in or go all out. Don't go halfway. But if you are in a situation where there are half measures and you have a player like Christian Eriksen, isn't it incumbent upon you to make that move while you can still transfer in and transfer out? Because Tottenham did so much to add so many this offseason. Ndombele, who was unfortunately a little nicked up, but other players in. Kieran Trippier is out. Couldn't they have found a destination for Eriksen? Well, there was talk that Real Madrid and then Atletico Madrid were both interested, and there was a rumor that Man United want him, but uh, Erickson said he would never play for another English club. It's weird because you have your by far your best midfield player, and we talked about the stats with assists and goals and everything. You have by far your best, you know, the best player in Denmark, and he says, you know what, I'd like to get a new challenge. You know, I, I like it here, but I want to be Panda and go to Boston, whatever it was. And so now you really don't want to sell him, but you want to see how disgruntled is he? Is he going to sit on his fanny in England? I can't say that. Is he going to sit on his rump mm. and do on his backside, his bottom and do nothing? <laughs> or is he actually going to give a full effort? So they took him on preseason. He it seemed like he was giving a full effort. So you really don't want to sell him unless he's a malcontent. But he wasn't a malcontent. So it was this nebulous, weird thing. Erickson said today, I don't regret saying what I said because that's how I felt. Now, the only bad thing is they'll probably still shop him for the January window right. now. Um, I hope they don't, though. I hope they say, look, you're here for the year. We're already, we've already dropped three points at home. We've dropped four on the road. So we need you, and you're stuck here. And if you want to leave, we'll let you leave at the end of the season. A tremendous game uh, from stem to stern both ways. 2-2 <clears throat> Arsenal and Spurs with the draw. Just one more before we depart that fixture and look at other ones. How about your boy Ganduzi, who looks like David Luiz, but doesn't play like David Luiz, and no knock to the, the great defender, but Ganduzi, the 20-year-old for Arsenal, he is electrifying when you add in Lacazette, who is a talisman, and of course, Obama Yang, the aforementioned striker. Arsenal, at its best, has great potential. Shout out Granit Xhaka. Loved, and it kills me as a Germany fan to see the pipeline from Mertesacker to Ozil to Aubameyang, these guys coming over from the Bundesliga. Aubameyang's a great player. He was at Borussia Dortmund. Um, Lacazette, it's funny, I've never seen him do anything, and then he was great in the NLD this time. Um, the guy they brought North on... London Derby, for those of you not keeping up. Yes. Ceballos was a guy who originally said he'd come to Tottenham and he changed his mind. And I wish we had got him. Even though he's a stick figure out there, he really got the game going when he came on. And I kind of look at Giovanni Lo Celso now and he came on. He's like, what am I doing? What position do I play? What am I supposed to do? And he still looks like he's out of sorts. Not like Ceballos who hit the ground running. But the Ganduzi guy... Yeah, he's hard to look at. I mean, it's. I feel bad. He's 20. His hairline is at the back of his head, <laughs> but he has Larry Fine. I think he uses, I think I read three bottles of conditioner every time he takes his shower. I might have really? made that up. Maybe. Yeah. But the thing Don't that the, the thing that was frustrating about uh, about Ganduzi is that he was always wide open. And, and he's a, a, a little fragile thing. Why won't you mark him? So, I don't know. They really, they got that lead and they started sagging and they didn't park the, the coach in the box. But, I mean, still, it was almost like that. Harry Kane, an unbelievable chance uh, from the right edge of the six. I don't know how he got that ball on frame. In one motion, he touches, turns, 
and unleashes with inside out spin. Yeah, it was the outside of the right boot. It was the old Roberto Carlos, and he almost got it in. And that would have made it. That, that would have made it three one. Yes, and it's a different game uh, yeah. from then on. But as it sits, <clears throat> Spurs ninth on mm-hmm. uh, four points after four fixtures at City, brutal at Arsenal, daunting. So the schedule will lighten up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Man U one. Southampton won. It's kind of fun, I think, to watch this Manchester United team when you you look out there and it's a lot of youth. You got David De Gea, maybe the greatest goalkeeper in the world, but in front of him, a bunch of U23 guys, basically. (laughs) I mean, not to disparage the talent, because these are all top-level players with great quality, as we say in soccer. Yes. Quality. Enunciate your team. But the youth, it's it's a fun watch, this Man U team. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, and I know they broke the bank on bringing in Harry Maguire from the Foxes and and all that, but it's I'm sure people are having. This is why you're supposed to get your badges and you're supposed to win a league somewhere else before they hire you. And you get an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in there, and you're like, well, maybe he's not tactically the guy. You know, he the gaffer gets the blame. And it's the same thing. Somebody, my old boss is a huge Chelsea fan, and he just said, "What's wrong?" And I just wrote back, "Lampard," because it's an easy excuse, right? It's an easy blame excuse. Blame the manager. Yeah, blame a guy who's never won anything. Um, great player and is from his time there. So I wonder how hot that seat is for him. We know there are a lot of Man United fans that hate the fact that all they bought really was a defender. And more rumors of Pogba leaving in January. I don't know. It's uh, But Old Trafford is not the once. I mean, it's still hard, but it's not the most daunting fortress it used to be. Yeah, Daniel James is definitely a bright spot as he got mm-hmm. his third goal in four matches. McTominay is finally getting more time. So as you look across, Paul Pogba it does kind of feel like a bit of an odd man out because he is such a veteran player on an otherwise young team. That's a guy who has to be... He sort of reminds me, at the end of Rude Hullet's career, he stopped being a striker and he became a sweeper. And we almost have no more, as we you know, Liberos anymore. He was a sweeper at Sampdoria, and I liked that team at the time. And every game, it seemed, and this is when it used to be on Channel 9, the Serie A, this is in the early 90s at every game of the week, but it seemed like whenever they needed a goal, he would come out of his own half and he would score one, and then he'd go back to being like a sweeper. I, to me, Pogba, as, as good as he is offensively, to me, he's like a sweeper type of guy. A guy like um, like Franz Beckenbauer when he was a sweeper. Like I will stop everything, but if you need a goal, I'll get you that too. He's that's the kind of role I see him in. So I don't really know. I think he wonders sometimes what his role is. Yeah, especially with that team that likes to play so much through the wide areas, mm-hmm. using the speed of Rashford and and the skill of Martial. They don't necessarily play through Pogba, which I think that's where he's at his best, mm-hmm. using his speed, but also his physicality in the center of the field and. He's a player who needs to be engaged. And if you're not giving him a lot of the ball and a lot of attention, he tends to disappear. Yeah. And, you know, that's on him, too. He's got a. No doubt. And that's always been the knock on Pogba is that he's at times been inconsistent, more in focus than in skill. Somebody has to go there and, and kiss his behind or, or as you said, you know, the, the Lingards of the world, they have to, before they take it down the wing, give him one more touch. Yeah. Now put it a through ball. I'll run under it. Elsewhere, we had uh, what I would like to call the turd in the punch bowl mm. game of the weekend as Stanford Bridge got to witness old Sheffield United coming back 2-2 the final. Tammy Abraham, by the way, looks to be 
quite a player for Chelsea, yeah. especially in light of all the losses they had in the the non transfer window that Chelsea. What did they loan him out to last year? Uh, was, it wasn't Juventus, was it? I'm trying to remember, but they loaned him out, and then they're like, yeah, we'll have him back now. Yeah, we need him back, <laughs> but not enough to get by one of the Uniteds that I said would be relegated. Yeah. An absolute draw on a platter as Chelsea implodes late at Stamford Bridge. Well, I'll, I'll put this to you because you're the, the Chelsea fan. Where where are you seeing the lack of whatever? And, of course, everybody always wants to ask us about Christian Pulisic, too. And I thought he played better. You know, he at times he's showing a capability at that level, but I, I think he still, in his mind, is not fully aware of where he's playing. He's making moves 1v2, 1v3, that look to me more like he thinks he's on the training ground in Indianapolis mm, right. going up against some American, I don't want to say Lima. nobody. Yeah, and I don't want to disparage our American <laughs> talent because right. we do have a lot of great young players, including the pride of Castro Valley, Nick Lima. Yeah. But going against Nick Lima is slightly different right. than taking on some of the better central defenders in uh, the English Premier League. I, I found what Pulisic with the national team is I kind of feel like he tries to do too much because he knows he's our best player. We know he's our best player. And I'm not saying he's a chicken with his head cut off, but I sometimes think if you take all that energy and just maybe channel it into a couple of things instead of everything, is that what you're seeing? Or Yes, and I think it's more just a case of thinking he can do things with the ball that he's used to being able to do, but mm-hmm. not being able to get away with it at this level, as right. we like to say. He yes. did find his way on the sheet via an assist on, I believe, Abraham's Second goal, Jorginho with an assist as well, but Zuma with the own goal, an unfortunate own goal late. 2-2, Chelsea continues to kind of list in place. I do want to hit on one more result before we really dive into the transfer window activity, and that is what I like to call, why I didn't make it up, the expression is Pyrrhic victory. Yes. Manchester City 4, Brighton nil, but the citizens lose one of the more underrated defenders in the Premier League as Laporte goes out with a bad injury. No, I and mean, it's that's why you have to have depth, you know, and sometimes people say, well, why would you sign this guy? Why would you sign that guy? The Tottenham fan would say, well, why, why do we sign Lo Celso? And I go, I think that was mostly because they thought Erickson was going to leave. But if, even if Erickson is there, these guys pick up Knox. I love the Pyrrhic victory, by the way. I used that one time in a post game, and, and Ken Korak complimented me on it. That's big. I know. He goes, I love the Pyrrhic victory line. That's big time when you get a Korak combo. I know. Then we talked about King Paris together, and uh, yeah, it was pretty Because that's cool. from where it it, uh, yeah. it comes. But yeah, and uh, it's, in other words, you, you win a battle, but you can't stay in the area you won, so you actually lost. Like, hey, we won the war. All your troops are dead. Well, and did we really win? So yeah. yeah, but you know, this is why you need depth, and every team has it. You have one of your stars and think, ah, if he could only be healthy, and especially strikers, because they get kicked black and blue every game, up and down, and they're running with their head, uh, you know, they're running with their back to goal. You know, they're throwing, they're bravely throwing their head into a goalie punch. They always seem the one, to be the ones the most battered. And it looks like Laporte is going to be out for, quote, a while, which you never want to hear with the knee injury. So I don't know where the citizens turn for defense, because... Really the only, and I won't say it's a weakness of that team, but you think about the defensive pairing at the back. Laporte was so important anchoring that piece. They have so much talent across the remainder of the field. Do they have the depth? Can Nicholas Otamendi step in and be that reliable 
piece because we've seen at times Otamendi get caught out and make mistakes in, in, in defense. Well, Otamendi started for them all last year. I'm sure they're quite happy with him. I wonder if he's run out of skin, continued on next body with his tattoos. Probably has a snake on his face by the time I, I say this. Man. Laporte, by the way, means the door. So he's out the door. Oui. Oui. The, the Italians, in fact, call the goalkeeper the portieri, the doorman. Oh. How about that? That's incredible. That's an Upper West Side uh, condo. You can have a doorman. Right. Or you can have the a doorman. Portier. Sure, you can have it right there as well. Sydney Poitier. Yes, one of our great actors. John Stone's in defense. Yes. Benjamin Mendy, they still have. Angelino. Zinchenko, who has actually played very well this year, the young Zinchenko, who looks mm-hmm. to be like Kevin De Bruyne's slightly younger brother, slightly blonder somehow. Get those <laughs> yes. confused when you're SPF watching SPF 5000. No doubt. <laughs> so I guess they do have some depth, but a little bit of a blow to Man City nonetheless. Yeah. They, well, the teams like that have two teams of internationals. I mean, when you're sub- starts for his country and just pick whatever country that is, you're going to be all right. Uh, Algeria will be the country I'll pick. There you go. There Ria, they Ria are. Rian Mahrez. Uh, I Al- cannot even crack. He barely cracks the 18, and yet he's the best player maybe in Algerian history. I'm sure you know. Well, who's uh, he's, the Christo Stoichkov of Algeria <laughs> as we go Bulgaria? Well, you know, they have probably the, grass, the greatest club team in African history with Esperance. If you think about all that they've won, um, I think about it all the time. I think about a an Algerian product who ended up playing for France and Zinedine Zidane. There you I go. Mean, but he's not technically Algerian anymore. So I'll, you know what? Why not go with uh, with uh, Mares? But yeah, he's a he's an amazing player. You think about Leicester winning the Premier League. He was fifty percent of that. Yes, he was. And Vardy would have been forty five percent. And right. then you can dole out the rest to uh, whomever. Was it Joe Hart between the sticks that year? No, I don't. I don't. Who think was so. their goalie? Was it Schmeichel? Oh, it was Casper Schmeichel. Casper Very Schmeichel. good. Peter Schmeichel's yes, son. Good yes. knowledge. Casper yeah. is my goalie on my fantasy team, which uh, I'm riding right now the coattails of one Sergio Kuhn Aguero, <laughs> who is an absolute <laughs> goal-scoring machine. Yes. But that's neither here nor there. And that's also your favorite hot dog and your favorite bed and ghost. Is Kuhn Aguero? Casper. Oh, Casper, of <laughs> And course. your favorite tight end. My favorite ghost. <laughs> Actually, not my favorite tight end, which... Oh. Uh, that's the podcast behind the podcast. Oh. Yeah, perhaps I'll tell my my Dave Casper stories about the times oh. I've interviewed, quote, the ghost. Wow. Including the day I also interviewed such luminaries as Joe Morgan, had 20 minutes of one-on-one time with Jerry Rice. I mean, wow. I interviewed everybody. Wow. Is this and a golf tournament or Super yeah, Bowl golf radio? Tournament. Okay. They all couldn't have been nicer. Okay, great. Anyway, except for, <laughs> yes, except, except for, for one uh, Mr. Guy? Schmeichel. Okay. Uh, elsewhere, a couple surprises as we wrap this up. Crystal Palace wins again, 1-0 mm-hmm. over Villa, and uh, West Ham over the Canaries, 2-0. So some intrigue at the bottom of what would be the bottom of the table. It's still obviously teams sorting themselves out. Yeah, and, and the other thing was, I, I wrote down a little note, there was a rumor this week that Klopp, says, or somebody said, your contract runs until 2022, then what? I'm like, can we live in today's world, please? But that's sports. And he said, you know what? By then, I'll probably retire. And I was like, what, what, what? I'm like, even if he does, you still got three more seasons of him. But I think about Liverpool managers through the years. When I first started following, I remember in 1990, Kenny Dalglish, one of the greatest players of all time, he had a heart attack in the middle of the season, but he came back. Think about Graham Souness, who had a little bit, you know, Scotland legend like Dalgleish. He was with Tottenham for a while as a player, but a Liverpool legend. 
All the fans did there was hate him. And then the ridiculous experiment of half Roy Hodges, half Gerard Houllier, who's coming over from the French national team, co-managers, which was never going to work. Finally, Hodges is like, I'm out. So you think about all the instability. Yeah. I'm trying to think if that's ever happened. It's crazy. At that level. Brendan Rodgers, when they brought him in, that's when they had a young Raheem Sterling right. with the team. He got knocked out after a year. It seems like they've waited forever for a guy that they like. And so that's why I think you're like, wait, only three more years. It's like if you're a Premier League manager, you probably won't make it to that anyway. And so don't panic. Right. And yeah. if you look at the way things went this past weekend, even in a victory, it's not exactly all smooth sailing, even though Liverpool was able to comfortably win on the road at Burnley 3 nothing, You saw the exchange, or maybe you didn't, between yeah. Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Salah had a chance to give one off to Mane, who had probably a better look at goal, and he, he mm. chose to shoot. Words were exchanged when they were coming off the pitch. Much ado about nothing, or Tempest Fugit. Well, as I tried to go double Shakespeare, but I I'll, blew the back I'll, end of it. Well, what would the Tempest be? It's not the Battle of the Tempest, but the the uh, the, the Tempest. That was the name of the play. Just the, the Tempest. Tempest. Yeah, the Tempest. Okay, so I, that's actually how Kate Kate Blanchett was discovered. She was the Tempest in like Sydney, and some guy was like, "We need to get her in movies." Wow, because she was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, she no, forget it. <laughs> so uh, great, IMDb <laughs> with Rick Tittle here. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it always I think irks us, especially as Americans. We think you know, one all for one, one for all, three Musketeers. This is the team. But strikers, you know, in a way, it's good that they're greedy. But usually, the way you show the guy up is if he doesn't pass to you. You stand there and you throw your hands out in front of right. you like, look how wide open I am, you idiot. And the guy either raises his hand and goes, I know, or he looks at you and goes, screw you. I took a shot. And then it ends. So I think that's probably over. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they're, they're, they're going to show each other kissing each other. I remember when I went to England and I went to see Tottenham for the first time in 1991, Paul Walsh, the backup striker, punched... Paul Gascoigne in practice and I wanted Paul Walsh cut from the team for that and then when I got there I opened up the sun and there's a picture of them cheek to cheek hugging <laughs> nice. we're best friends and I'm like I still hate you Paul Walsh. and we saw that from uh from Pep Guardiola earlier this season with the aforementioned Cunaguero when he was coming off the field they exchanged words and then about 12 minutes later they literally were Cheek to cheek. Yeah, it was PG-13, that embrace. It was borderline our city there. There might have been some heavy petting. I couldn't see. If the camera pans down, maybe we go NC-17. All I thought of was two words when I saw that. Love wins. Yes. We have too much time for you to walk off on that. That was a great... You were looking like you would have walked that off. That was really good. We still, good night, Cleveland. We still have oh, we're only at 22. Yeah, All maybe right. we yeah, can yeah. copy-paste that. Ah, that's throw good. It on the maybe end, I got another was, one. I would have let you... I would have laid out had... Uh, had that been the case. Yeah. Uh, let's talk transfers, Rick, sure. if we can, because the transfer window is closed. And interesting, some moves that were made, some moves that, that won't be made until January. Paul Pogba, you mentioned. Christian Eriksen possibly being moved to Real Madrid. That was the linkage. Didn't happen. How much does this set the table really for January? Well, I was, I mean, with bated breath yesterday, scanning, and I started you know, at 1130 because they started at 7 a.m. in England. And then I woke up, you know, petrified that Ericsson had been sold. 
You know who made a kind of a good move and a weird move? And we mentioned them because they are in the Champions League, Napoli, the Neapolitan ice creams themselves. They went out and they got Fernando Llorente, who's, as much as he's not that great, he still you know, contributed some goals and assists in the Champions League that were vital. They got Chucky Lozano, who is the best Mexican player of the last 10 years. Uh, he's better than Chicharito. He's probably their best forward since Hard Borghetti. Um, that's not a small move for them. And he already played a game and just hit the ground running. So Napoli, I know we kind of brushed them aside. And I still don't think they get through their group. But adding Chucky Lozano, that was a huge thing for Napoli. I'm going to borrow from ESPN and add to that by saying a another team, another club that seems to be on the rise after the window is Leipzig, the team that you were talking Leipzig, about. Leipzig, yeah. Leipzig. Yeah, yeah. In Zawa, our Champions League discussion from before, they quietly have made some moves. Hannes Wolf and Christopher Nukunku, Nukunku, if I may, get a take two on that. Were acquired one from Red Bull Salzburg, one from PSG. Apparently, they're looking to add and they're looking to maybe advance through a relatively soft group in the Champions League. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I'm not too privy to those guys. And now somebody will say, Rick Tuttle, I'm from that country, and he laughed at Dan trying to pronounce it. Uh, those two guys suck. Well, we'll get it. Nkunku. Nkunku. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 I appreciate, as I said, I can't, I don't know every soccer player in the world, but I appreciate any team that gets into the Champions League, especially a team like Leipzig. And they're like, we're going to take advantage of it. It's funny because my, my relatives in West Germany, who I, you know, I used to root for West Germany, but then the wall came down in 89 and all that. My, my cousins say that they root for teams from the day to air, like Hertha Berlin and and Leipzig because they feel sorry for them that they don't have the money and everybody wants to get the hell out and so they said that they kind of pull for the former East German teams because they are behind the eight ball so I kind of with that in mind not that I like Leipzig and where is Leipzig as it as it relates to Berlin is it east of Berlin it's south it's south it's in um the kingdom of Bayreuth or Bayreuth, as we would say, mm-hmm. and it's just above Beirut. We would call that Beirut. <laughs> Beirut. I believe we you're the best baseball player that ever lived. <laughs> just above Bavaria. Nice. Bayern. Yeah, just above. That's Munich, right? Bavaria. Yeah, okay. right. Just above Munich, as so you go. So between Berlin up. and Munich. Yeah, it's sort of near Dresden, which the British firebombed. Right. The capital Sorry of Saxony. So it's Bayreuth and Saxony next to each other. Okay. So Leipzig, one to certainly follow as we as we make our way through into the Champions League. Oh, you can't have winners unless you also have losers. (laughs) As we borrow uh, briefly from Jim Carrey. Among the losers, Roma, who have acquired Chris Smalling from Man U, and Henrik Mkhitaryan. Hardly transformative moves, but they're listed here on this ESPN article, Among the Losers. It's it's amazing to me because I remember when Mkhitaryan was with Man United and he's they, they beat Tottenham one year, one to nothing. And the the people, when, when it was rumored that Mkhitaryan was leaving Arsenal, there was a, not even one respite. There were 2,000 posts I saw saying, thank the Lord, get this piece of trash. He had just come on as a sub against Tottenham. I didn't realize that he was their whipping boy and they absolutely hated him. Chris Smalling, for me, is over the hill. He was one of those hot young stars on Fulham when Clint Dempsey was there. And and they beat Juventus in the Europa League. Remember Clint Dempsey's chipped goal, the most famous goal in Fulham's history. And so Man United is like, we want Chris Smalling. And they got many good years out of Chris Smalling. But now, 
I'm sure he wants to prove he still should be in the England setup as we go into an international break. Yes, Mkhitaryan, by the way, <clears throat> 30 years old as well. Nikola Kalinic also picked up from Fiorentina. He's 31, so mm. Roma looking to add but not making significant moves. One more side, Rick, as we take a quick look at the closing of the transfer window. PSG, they keep Neymar. Wouldn't that be considered good news? Yes, absolutely it's considered good news, especially with all the speculation that he had. By the way, I think I mentioned this before, but I will reiterate about Fiorentina. I know the owner, Massimo Camiso. He owns the uh, Cosmos, and he just bought them a few months ago, and I had him on my show talking about congratulations of buying La Viola there in Florence, and and, uh, he says, if you come, owner's box. So... I have no plans to go back to Florence right now, but I'm just saying, if we find ourselves there, and I say we, owner's box. Yes, I can see us doing a live pod, Golasso yeah. Supremo. We'll have to rename it to the Italian. Yeah, calcio calcio. Is that, is that <laughs> what it would be? Imbecile testa de gazzo. I think that we could definitely uh, build on something Which here. means imbecile D-head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. How about just avante calcio, which means... Go for, or actually, Avante is uh, walk. Uh, Forza means go. Forza Calcio. Let's go soccer. That's good. That's really good. And come back next week. Is this our 26 or 27? This, I think, is 27. And uh, I'm just trying to get the Fiorentina schedule up here so yes. we can pick the correct game. Because when you go to Florence, you really want to be there and in kind of early spring to mid-spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to see a win, if possible, against a decent team. Maybe we go uh, April 19th against Hellas Verona. <laughs> that is a local derby from the Veneto. How would you know that? Yes, that's that area right there. You're incredible. You never cease to amaze. But, there it is. But I forgot your name, Don. Don. <laughs> Just call me DK. Uh, April 19th, Fiorentina. Hellas Verona, we're there. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.